0: thank you for tuning in to costumes and coffee a podcast where we have conversations with the artists who create the latest in fashion costume design and culture today i'm having coffee with costume designer gersha phillips Who's designed um, numerous projects, including Star Trek Discovery, Drop the Beat, Barbershop, Breakout Kings, The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, and so many more. She's also the designer of the much anticipated movie The Woman King. Gersha, thank you so much for joining me today. You're
1: welcome. Nice, happy to be here.
0: <laughs> awesome. So are you from? I've read your bio and it says that you're mm. from London and Ontario. You're from both places? <laughs>
1: Well, I was born in London, England, but I grew up and then um, we moved um, to uh, Lannigan, Saskatchewan, actually. And so I grew up and I consider myself partly a prairie girl, partly British. And um, and then mostly, I mean, mostly Canadian. now because I've lived most of my life there, my adult life in Canada. Um, But I still, you know, I have I go to London as much as I can and Europe as much as I can. And then my parents are my mom is from Trinidad and my dad was from Nigeria. Oh, so, I'm wow. figuring, yeah, I just, I figure I'm just sort of like cosmopolitan at this point. I love
0: <laughs> it. It's a you nice know, like, blend of everything great. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> very, so, a very, a very good mix.
0: <laughs> so were you designing before you came to the States and how did you get into costume design?
1: I actually started um, designing in Canada. I've, I've had, I haven't. predominantly work here in Canada, actually. I'm based in Toronto, but I do work in the States. I'm a member of 892 um, in LA and also 829 in New York, so I've kind of worked a little bit everywhere. Um, And I got into film, it's a really interesting little story. I was watching the movie Beaches. I think it might be in my bio. I can't know if it's still there or not. But I was watching the movie Beaches way back in the day and the title on the card came up, Costume Designer. And it was like you know Oprah says, the light bulb moment that you have and you're like, that's it. And it's funny because I, I had already studied um, not costume design per se, but I had worked in theater. Um not worked in theater, but I was studying theater and I took this sort of like program. I was studying fashion design, actually, that's what I was doing. And I took this um elective when I was in school, um, and it was a theater program and it was sort of like um, a comprehensive of everything behind the scenes. So you took a little bit of lighting, you took stage design, and you also took costumes, and so I ended up working in the costume department. And of course, it was you know a perfect fit for me because I had already been studying fashion and knew how to sew and and everything at that time. So I um, I did a couple plays. And it was, it was really fun, but it was interesting that I never related that to film, costume design and film. It was like a complete, it was its own entity at that time. And so when I did, when, I, when this moment happened when I was in the theater and I was like, this is what I wanted to do. I don't know if I actually connected those two at that point or not, but somehow I understood that the costume designing was costume designing for film and that, um, and that this is what I wanted to do and you know from then on I went out and tried to figure out how to how to get in you know everybody was saying that it's impossible you can't get in because back then it was a very like tight-knit closed uh almost like a secret society <laughs> um <laughs> So um, I actually met, I got lucky. I met a guy who was a boom operator. I used to do um, weddings and um, and decorate like hoopas and things like that, aisle decor for weddings. And this gentleman was there and he, they had a handheld hoopa and he said, I asked, he said he was a boom operator. And I said, well, how do I get into film? I need to get in. <laughs> and he said, the best thing to do is to join the Canadian um, films, um, the Canadian uh, Film Institute, which was run by Norman Jerison at the time. And so I went, I called them up and it just so happened they had a feature that they were putting on. And I volunteered to work on this feature film. It was just a small little indie thing. And I started out assisting the costume designer um, and then we went to camera and then I was the track person. And then um by the end of the movie, um uh the girl who was keying had to leave early. And so I took over and started keying. And then from there I got um the makeup artist introduced me to like a director and got me to do some short films. I did like two shorts and um and then not too long, you know, it took a while, you know, because all these things take time, but I joined the union and started so I always Designed, but then I also did like set work and different things. I loved being on the set. I loved being on the floor where you know the action was happening. That was always very exciting to me, and you know I, I really loved the idea of telling telling stories through clothing. It was sort of like the perfect match for me. I feel because I always loved clothing. It was like my passion was 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 clothing and and um, and fashion. Um, so this idea of telling stories through um uh, clothing became a really I don't know it really resonated with me and I really loved it and it's um, sort of where I am now today and I you know I still I still am in love with it you know there's some days you're not as in love as you were before <laughs> you know when the minutiae happens and all the stuff happens you know I always say let's go that I have a period that I call my honeymoon period which is like the beginning when you get the new script and you're getting excited and it's really exciting and fun and then you know honeymoon period turns into like the long-term relationship when you start talking about budgets and all of those other things (laughs) it's always an interesting journey but you know I mean I like the you know I like you know I was just doing Star Trek in space Mm -hmm. and then I went to um, 1823 in Africa which was really cool and now I'm working in mid-century again in in Toronto um, doing like this um, on the rocks story um, so you know, it's interesting how you end up going. Like it's like it's so varied and fascinating. You know, in each each story that you read and each script that you read takes you on a different journey. You learn so much. It's just it's really a a, a gift.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. After fifty-two design credits, you're still in love with it, and you still have yeah. that face. That's amazing to hear because yeah. you know not not many people fall in love you know fall in love with it to that degree that they do it for so long. And you're thirty years into your career, and that speaks to yeah. that speaks to your passion for the for design and for the yeah. business. That's amazing. Yeah. So wow, thirty years. Alma, <laughs> um, <laughs> then listen. Is- yeah. Almost, but that's incredible. That is absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible. People burn out, you know, and everything, but you are still designing, you're at the top of your game. So that's, yeah. that's incredible.
1: I think also coming to it a little later made a difference for me because I was older, you know what I mean? I think um, make the choice I made was a really conscious choice and I knew what I wanted to do. And I think that makes a difference too.
0: Nice. So, so looking mm-hmm. at your credits, you've hit literally every genre. Like you just said, you've done period, you've done contemporary, you've done fantasy sci-fi what genre do you enjoy the most mm, like each I I I think ultimately anything that
1: I get to world build is my favorite version of it. So even though, um, 18, you know, doing the woman King was, was period, it was also world building. Mm -hmm. So it still falls under that category. And it was, you know, when you get to do stuff where you've got a clean slate and and there's not, you know, one of the things about Woman King too is that there wasn't really much precedence for what to do, like, you know, in terms of, um, references, you know, Mm -hmm. we did, you know, we researched a lot and, um, found some things that were similar to but that we used as references but a lot of it was you know things that we had to create for ourselves to you know to make it um work for the era that we're shooting a film in also you know the ratings etc cetera, etc cetera. so um yeah I think that's my the biggest the thing I like enjoy the most is anything that I get to world but like so Star Trek, for instance, you know, creating the whole world, you know, and, and as it's 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 both um wonderful and exciting, but also very stressful. <laughs>
0: because, <laughs> you know, you have don't have
1: anything it. there. So you've got to start, you've gotta do everything. You know, like building the Star Trek uniforms, for instance, and coming up with all the different um uniforms and, you know, what do they wear when they go to bed? What do they wear when they work out? What do they wear when they're casual? Like, you know, coming with that, all of that when it looks like. And it was that similar on Women King where we had to sort of do the same idea. It's like, you know, well they, we know what their true warrior costumes are, but what do they do like when they go to sleep? What do they do in between? You know, what do they do when they're relaxing? What do they do when they're having a victory dance? What do they do when they're, you know, how do they, how do we elevate the costumes when we want to do these specific things? Like, um. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the film, I guess maybe you haven't. So. <laughs> I
0: have seen the trailer, which is beautiful, yeah. but I have not seen the film yet. Yeah, no, well, once I guess, yeah, then, yeah,
1: there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that we had to come up with so that we could fill in those spaces at other times when, when they're not in unif- in their two uniforms, which is what you do see predominantly in the tra- trailer.
0: Mm-hmm. You see them wearing
1: their battle uniform, and then their what we call is their palace tunic, which was the striped um, tunic.
0: And I so, did yeah, I, mean- I did want to go into af- yeah, after seeing the trailer and seeing, I did want to go into because I know that designing is so deliberate. A lot of it is very deliberate. Um mm-hmm. and like you said, you brought up the um fabric that was used for their war uniforms. And I know mm-hmm. right off the bat that the guys were in a vertical striped white and blue, and then the women were in more of a colorful vertical stripe. Um mm-hmm what was the significance of those colors and and that kind of fabric and and their war uniforms well what we
1: we you know originally of course like I say when I had that honeymoon period in the woman thing my thought was I'm gonna go we're gonna make all our fabric not make but we were gonna print it all because I wanted to do everything indigo I wanted to do it um, you know try to use as much original you um, uh, ways of building and making fabric as possible. So I wanted to print, hand block print, and do the whole thing, which was, you know, it was a great idea, but it was totally impossible because <laughs> you know there was no time. Um, it was hard because you know you'd have to get the raw material and then take it all the way through. So we did do it for certain things, but not everything. Um, and then it was a very last minute decision where um, Gina wanted our skirts to have a more African um, feel to them, because originally I just done a border print, and I was going with my border prints. So So we're going to do this border print and the rest of the skirt was indigo and she felt that because the skirt was plain and the the tops were plain, the bandos and the halters, Mm -hmm. um, it just didn't feel African enough for her and I was like okay. So then I had this fabric that um, I had got in in London actually but it was from Gambia and it was um, uh, a, uh, uh, a drum print and I had two different versions of it and we tried the first version for the camera test and then it, we decided it, i thought it looked it did look good on the women because it was too big to print mm-hmm. so we went with the smaller print and so that print became our skirts and then you know so that already changed everything that i had planned to do because this gentleman in gambia was already printing on, on um, damask fabric we couldn't figure out how to get um our fabric that we wanted to him so he could print on a heavier fabric. So mm-hmm. we had to use this damask fabric and use two layers to make a skirt. So you know it doesn't. It ideally, if I had it my way, I would have sent him a really a rougher cotton, a heavier wool, loose, loose weave cotton that would have looked more similar to what um, they would have used at that time. But this mm-hmm. is what we were stuck with. But one of the things we did try to do, which was when we did our palace tunics, which are the stripes those are done um, using that the authentic uh, strip weave fabric from that west africa which is zero 10 centimeters and so that we had hand woven in uh well loom woven in ghana wow. um in, in uh top say it wrong i can't remember the name but in it's northern northern ghana and we had hired a a, a costume a supervisor in Ghana to help us with that so she went out we had at 1.9 to 10 weavers weaving for us at different spots up there um, making our palace tunics and what basically we started with one color for the females um, and it was using blue red white and blue and Gina said because I was actually using the um, the way they're described in the books in the, in the references and when Gina saw it she said it looked I don't know if I'm allowed to say this now on here because she said it looked too American. My but
0: but That's, that that's exactly what I thought when you first said it. I was like, I bet that looks really American. <laughs> it did.
1: And so she didn't, we had to change it right away. It was really funny too. was really built. Like that was where they started and they made too many. So then we had to come up with a new color scheme. So she, I said, well, you know, what can we do that's similar to what it was? Because it was red, white, and blue. So we went with red, white, and then we put a um, another blue color in it. And... And then that one was good. But then she said she wanted something that was um, a higher ranking look. So that's where the gold came into it. and We put the gold in and took out the blue. So the blue is for the lower ranks and then the gold is for the higher ranks. And that's how we came up with the two different looks.
0: So the women um, in the society are are ranked higher than the men, technically. Yeah. With
1: the well, they're supposed to be. There's, a, there's an equality that's supposed to happen. But I think that the women's um, ends up looking higher ranked and also... You know, it was that was an interesting to try to go back afterwards and fix with especially with the um, the Miganod and the Migan, because mm-hmm. they were supposed to be equal. You know, that's the whole idea of the two people. So we had to. That's when we created the breastplate for Siv's character so that he would have a breastplate as well um, mm-hmm. for the one for the one battle and um and that was interesting because I actually had to make that breastplate because it was like so late in the game when I was like oh my god I need to make this breastplate so I was like making it myself the very first one he made I made and then the guys took it over and fixed it for me which is thank goodness because he couldn't have done he just had to stand on the stage in the first one so it it barely stood together (laughs) but um our um, build team fixed it up and made it work for battle, so that he could actually wear it for battle. That's so, phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was, you know. And then, you know, the idea that he always, in, the idea in Gazo's court was that he had a male and a female cannibal for each of his ministers. So his generals would be the same thing. Um, for his spiritual advisors, it would be the same thing. So there's always this idea that there's a male and female for each person, each, each um, position. And so, you know. Um, We did try, but it was really interesting. You're all right, it does sometimes, when I look at it, I was like, yeah, it was was a lot of work to try to get the guys to feel equal to the women because we focused so much on the women in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first battle we do are just the, just the women are at the first battle, not the men, and that's how we shot it too. Um, And uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, it was quite a wild journey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Tell me about um, uh, Viola Davis's character, naniska there you go um, he's yeah. wearing this beautiful it looks like leather it may not be leather but it's mm-hmm. we like so yeah. beautifully this yeah it's
1: costume. a woven a woven breastplate yeah wow. it is it is so in when we first if i don't know if you've ever uh, googled the agoji because i remember first googling them um when i when i got the job and i started not before i got the job actually i was just you know, I had read the, the script, I'd gotten the script, read the script and started to do research to put together a presentation. Mm-hmm. And I, when you first, and even in the script, it said these, the, 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 the Egosia wearing breastplates with a thousand hair calories on them. That's how it's described. And then you find these pictures and they are in fact wearing these breastplates with the calories on them and everything. But what we found out was that those, those, those costumes were put together for those those pictures were take were done for a world fair um and they were um um like exhibits at world fairs and they were they went on tour they toured like europe and um i think even i don't know if it got all the way to the america's but at that time but um so that was like a negoji redress of, of 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 by 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 um probably Europeans, we think. This, yeah. And it, took, it was really interesting because everything I read, I couldn't find that description. I couldn't find any breastplates. I couldn't find anything anywhere. So then it was like, okay, we're not going to do breastplates. But then we wanted something that gave um, Aniska, something that stood out. And I was like, well, I feel like you know, the fact that these breastplates existed and the French or whoever made them, there must have been something that they had that was similar to that that yeah. would have been something they would use as some kind of an armor, influenced by the Europeans. Um, there was at one point said that Eve was even wearing armor in one battle, but it, that went away. Um, so, but, um, uh, so the decisions to make her breastplate came from that. So um, we did, I, I found something, I think I found a reference that I thought could work for what I wanted it to look like. Because mm-hmm. they still wanted her to be, her stomach to be out, like her abs to show and, you know, all that, all of the, um, you know, the physicality of what they've been working on. Because Gina was like, I don't want to cover up all the work they've been doing. Like, they all look so great. So something that's just, you know, we work. So I came up with this idea of this chest, this breastplate, and we sort of started working on it with the team. And, yeah, it's woven leather. We had to do it on a, we had to make a a form in the shape of, of Viola to weave it on so that we could get her shape into it um which was you know it's it's it and, and actually get it to stay on her while she fought she had like i think three of them that we had to make one was a hero fighting one was um you know because right away i think it gets cut and, and and in the very first battle which was the first wow. battle we did as well so um but yeah it, um and then we added um little trinkets onto it like we put some embroidery on it and we put cowrie shells on it and the cowrie shells were not only um a form of currency but they were also a form of protection Mm -hmm. so having you know we we would put everybody had a little bit of cowrie on their on their costume somewhere on their their um pieces so um we put those she had the most obviously she was the most decorated And we tried, I think we actually even infused a little bit of brass into that as well. Um, And yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, I have to say it was a labor of love. (laughs) We had some decent fittings with viola. It was good. Yeah. It
0: it is Um, actually so beautiful. And I can't wait to see more of it, but just, you could see how Mm. much detail and how much like you, attention you paid to, you know, really weaving Mm. that fabric. And I was like, is that leather? That's phenomenal. Yeah. It looks yeah. absolutely amazing. And I was just about to ask you about the cowrie beads. So you you hit mm-hmm. that. Um, what about mm-hmm. the um, stones that she wears in her neck piece? And also um, the king has a stone in his neck piece as well. Yeah, I think, um,
1: we, you know, in, in trying to come up with different things, it was, I think again, um, I know that at Menza we put white in particular because she was um, the Voodan sort of, um, uh, minister Um, so she had very specific things and that was through research that we had found that you know they wore the white um, beads and um, um, everything that they had you know I think in general that they all had a sort of um, uh, either a sort of um, everything has a power and everything has a um, uh, you know a meaning from that point of view i can't tell you exactly what the white ones i can't remember but i do know that um they all do and everybody had like they all carried different talismans that they carried like they had things in their pouches and one of the things we did was was we had um uh these sort of i call them like tablets that we made my actually it was our um uh, one of our, our artisans made for us and he put like all different we had some that were sp- specifically for Dahomey um, and uh, from the Dahomey Empire and then some that were more shanté, um West African and they all had different meanings so they were different symbols with different they had different meanings some meanings. so each symbol we would write a little meaning, the meaning on the low and each actor were allowed to pick what they wanted to put into their costume in terms of where they went on their belt, or like, um, for instance, um, Amenza has the cross strap um, that she carries for her um, spear, and um, Izogi has the double, and so each of them had different things that they put. Or Izogi has um, specific things in her necklace um, that we put on hers. I can't remember what everybody chose, but they all—it was really interesting to watch them pick and what resonated yeah. with each actor um and what they wanted and some you know like I remember uh Lashana sitting and taking quite a moment with hers whereas I think they like were like pictures instantly and so <laughs> did Adrian, I believe but like, she was like very fast she knew exactly what she wanted so it was it was really I wanted, cute I really, that I really helps appreciate them get that
0: into, I'm sure that helped them get into picture yeah.
1: as well oh no, exactly exactly yeah it was yeah that was I mean it was a really um a really cool journey watching that take place. You know what I mean? Like from the beginning of our first fittings and how everybody, you know, transformed into it. You know, we went through a few changes because, um, you know, Sony wanted some very specific things um, and, and changes that we we had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it was it was a nice uh, journey to watch everybody evolve into their um, characters as they were dressing. You know, I mean, I think um, that's very cool.
0: What about uh, King Gezo is wearing these beautiful, beautiful blue um, cloak, and then he's in green as he's talking to um, Viola at at one point in the trailer, and they're just jaw dropping. Like they're gorgeous fabrics. Where did you source those from? The green one, which is the green, is
1: it? Oh, I something gold. we made a couple pieces where we actually. This is where I actually did get to do my printing, like a couple gazo pieces, because we didn't shoot John until after Christmas. So we had started working on his stuff before um, he got to come to us. So we were able to do some specific printing because it was smaller amounts. Mm-hmm. So we actually printed. We got stuff not um, screen printed on silk for him. Mm-hmm. So the green one, I think, and and then we embroidered gold thread into it. To add another layer of, um, of um, uh, rich wealth and, and, and beauty to it, just to give him um, that extra, you know, the king, you know, to give him that to be the walking embodiment of the, the wealth and the, and, the, and, the, and the beauty of this world at this time, right? I think that's what the king's sort of place and the wives sort of have this, you know, they have to feel like that. They have to feel like the wealth and the, embody the wealth and the, and the beauty of, of, the, of the world and the land that they're living
0: in. So that yeah, was the he, idea he, with him. He did. Yeah. He, he stood out like that. It was definitely eye-catching um, mm. to see the glimpse. Yeah, of and,
1: and he and- was, I mean, I felt John was, carried it really well too right he was just yeah. you know it was really funny because i remember hearing when i heard that he was cast I as i remember thinking who's going to be it? and they mentioned somebody else before john and, and then when john was cast i was like he's perfect because yeah. you can already see him as that character right he just has that um that royalty embedded him already. He He imbues it quite well. So it was quite lovely to, you know, cause there's a line or something, I forget, or it's not, a, it's a line, it's a description of how he's, it says that the ground is um, honored to have him walk on it or something like that. It was some wow. statement.
0: <laughs> That's quite a line. <laughs> I wanted to ask you too, um, you had a <laughs> full palette to design on. Um, what was it like working with set Deck, and and how did that play into like your design choices?
1: Um, we worked really closely, actually because I think you know we were all really concerned about the red um the clay walls, you know the, the lovely um terracotta color um, and which ends up being everywhere. <laughs> um so it was something that you know we were, you know wanted to make sure that the colors that we were picking would work. Um, with everything so we did earlier on a really cool um, test where we picked they had decide they had like a I think about like eight different wall colors that they were looking at in terms of what to use for the palace and we, we brought fabrics we had a tunic but I think at that time we had one that was ready we put together and um, other fabrics that we just tested in front of it just to see what really looked beautiful what looked good and we had a couple different um, stand-ins come in in different um, color, you know, different uh, ranges of colors so that we could see different colors on different people, et cetera, et cetera. So that was something that we did really early and it was very, very helpful. And actually everything, I mean, it didn't, I mean, I think everything looked really great. It wasn't, it was surprising that, you know, it ends up being you know, even though it seems so colorful it ended up being a good neutral in the end. So it was kind of fascinating. You know, it's always a thing because you always think something so colorful would be distracting in some way. But I guess because of the way it, you know, the sun plays and depending on where the light is sitting, you know, you get a very many different colors from it too. And it does work as a lovely, a beautiful background. I mean, the set was just gorgeous. It really was a palace set, was fantastic. We shot in um, mostly in Cape Town, and we're just outside, like predominantly outside of Cape Town. The palace was something that they built in this area called, let's see, in Durban, we shot some of the country, which was very cool. Um, and so, um, uh, but yeah, all around Cape Town, you know, we're predominantly outside. Um, and um, it was very it was very cool, but yeah, there was a lot of um, interplay and, and uh, conversations about color, et cetera, with, with um, the art department. Um, and a keen, and also Polly. so that's very cool yeah and i have to say that collaborating everybody was very collaborative and i felt like we worked together really well as a team like with pair makeup you know creating all the looks we had to do which you'll see when you see the film because i mean i don't think you get to see the intricacies and all the work we did with the trailer because a lot of it is in other characters that you don't see in that part mm-hmm. um you know but i mean i will say that the, the that the the um the hair that they did for, for all the women was just phenomenal. It was really, yeah. really fabulous. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So my They're last cool. question for you is, what was your favorite costume to design for this project? Or if do you have a favorite? <laughs> I, you
1: know, I, I have a couple. I really love you know, the Niscus final outfit. I love, there's a scene that's called the Blood Oak scene where all the women are in white. That's beautiful. Um, and also because we prefer like Menisca and um, Amenza and um, uh, Amenza and Izogi, they have a specific thing they wear in that one. So it's really beautiful. Um, you know, I mean, the wives are, are also quite stunning in a different way. Because, you know, coming up with, you know, because I mean, at that time, they would just be wearing wraps around their waist and they were topless. So coming up with ways to, innovative ways to make wives look different and then keep it as authentic-ish as possible do you know what I mean and yeah you know by using silks but blending in you know we did some hand on silks we did some block printing on silks and things like that just to help us you know bring the Africanness back to the silks you know what I mean just yeah. to bring that feeling back into it so and then mixing silks with African fabrics and things like that it was a lot of um uh, a lot of really cool, creative, ingenious things that we were doing. I have to say, and I hope people appreciate it because you no, know, I mean, obviously we just take licenses with some things, so they're not as true to form as they should be. But um, I think you know, the, uh, the the end result is pretty beautiful, and it was the idea is to show um, this this um, world, this pre-colonial Africa in 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 the beauty and the glory that it probably did exist in and we've never seen before you know so i think that is um the most important part you know the word that everybody kept saying that it needed to look elevated and and it had to be um aspirational that's the word that came from sony (laughs) so that's the word that always is so there was an important it was an important factor that had to have that feeling about it so i feel like you know, in some cases, maybe it's not as true to form as it, it would have been. That's, you know, having not had a camera at that time to actually put a lens on it and know what was going on, you know, and also because we're taking, you know, something that's, you know, from a different time and then trying to convey this a message in 2022 with people with the, the, you know, the, um, uh, how can I say it? You know, when you have a, uh, a way of looking at something you can only see what you see so sometimes you have to push something a little bit further for it to resonate in the way it needs to resonate and i think that's you know hopefully what we did was enough that it kind of works on both levels
0: well listen if the, if the trailer is any indication of the richness and the elevation that's coming and the beauty of your creativity <laughs> in in designing what we haven't been able to see in pictures like you just said I'm telling you, like, it's going to be a hit. You're already getting Oscar buzz. I definitely read that <laughs> t- t- today while um, doing a little bit <laughs> of yes. research. So I look, forward, I look forward to seeing the film, and I look forward to really just seeing um, how it elevates you and how it elevates your career, because it's definitely a must-see. So I appreciate well, thank the you. time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. See you soon.